Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 13. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror, dimly. But then, we will see face to face. Now, I know only in part. Then, I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. Oh God, we have heard your call to us this day, and we have heard your scripture call us back to who you intend for us to be. So we offer ourselves to you this morning. I offer myself that you would speak through me, that your words might be the only words that are heard during this time of proclamation. Help us to listen carefully for who you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 13, it's kind of a familiar verse, and most of us have heard it at a wedding at some point in time. But actually, it's a part of a larger section in this letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, which composes chapters 12, 13, and 14. And really, what he's talking about there is so much more than two people who are promising to spend their lives together, which, if that is happening, I think 1 Corinthians 13 is a great place to, to start it off, but it doesn't finish there. Uh, this text speaks of something that never ends. That's how it begins. Love never ends. And Paul goes on to say that this thing, this love, and we have to be careful because we read the Bible in English, but it wasn't written in English. And so in Greek, some of you probably know that the word we translate as love actually has three separate or phases of meaning. And the one that's being spoken of here, agape, is is intended to reflect the kind of love that God has for us. And we approach that love when we share it with other people every once in a while, but it sort of sits as the pinnacle of what love can truly be. And so here, Paul is telling us that this love, the agape of God, never ends. It is greater than faith and hope, and it is the foundation of the spiritual life. So I think this is the perfect text to accompany us today on a journey to the deepest parts of our soul. We're going to be talking about self-awareness today. And it's really important when we begin to talk about those important connections that we share with others. We're going to begin this morning with an image of leaving the light on. You received your stewardship cards and with letters in the mail this week. And the challenge was, will you hold on with us, Faith? This is a long season of distance, and it doesn't promise to end anytime soon. Our connections with one another are hard. Our fabric is stretched, but your leadership is convicted. 
that what we share together can weather a pandemic and a painful election and the loss of so many this year and so much more. And so we are leaving the light on and we want you to leave the light on with us. We asked you to commit with your reply. We sent you the card uh, in the mail with the, the envelope that has the stamp on it. And you know what? We asked you for a, a different reply this year. Maybe you have no idea what your financial commitment will be to our life together in 2021. But could you let us know what you need during this season and how we can remain the place that you would call home? Because, friends, when we reach the other side of this stretch, and we will, amen? We will. We won't be the same, but we want to be together. So that's the vision for this year's season of commitment. That we would find a way to stay together. Last week, you'll remember that I defined the starting assumption of stewardship because this is our season for stewardship every year. And, and the starting assumption is this, that all we have and all we are belongs to God. Not just part of our lives, not just part of our heart, not just part of our relationships, but all, all of it belongs to God. And God, remarkably so, chooses to trust us as stewards of those gifts. I still find that remarkable because when I look at my life and the trust that has been placed in me, most of the time I wonder, really? Is that a good idea? You know, but, but God has made that choice, given us all we are, all we have, and says, I trust you to use those gifts on behalf of my kingdom, to make a difference with what I have chosen to give you. And so I challenged you last week to identify the hearth or the hearths in your life. Those places and people that draw you close, that give you warmth and nourishment, and that teach you the forming lessons of stewardship. Last week we talked about how, you know, we, we learn stewardship best in our homes. Those are the places we first learn those lessons. I certainly hope that you have had people in your life who showed you what stewardship looks like. Maybe they are the people that are on your quilt from the October sermon series, uh, Building Blocks. Uh, those are very important people many times in teaching us those lessons of stewardship. Maybe those people are in your family of origin, or maybe they are in your family of choice. But somewhere, I hope that you have had, or that you have right now, a hearth, a place or a tribe where you know that you know that you know you belong. It's a place of safety. It's a place of being drawn into who God has for you. It is the place where the light is always on. No matter where you've traveled, when you come home to this place and to these people, you know that you are home. Because it is in that place that we learn the lessons of stewardship. Friends, no one gets to be a good steward without sacrifice, putting others first. No one gets to be a good steward without self-awareness, this, this idea of peeling back the layers so that we can be the one God trusts us to be. No one gets to be a good steward without benevolence, living life with open hands and being willing to share with those who are in need. No one gets to be a good steward without support. And being that support for someone else to, to bear with them 
in their journey just as they bear with you in yours. And so we pull out that mirror that Paul talks about in the text. He points to self-knowledge. That's one of the the words that he uses. We might call it self-awareness. It is this key, he tells us, to a clearer vision and to the most important marker of all, love or agape. It's not warm and fuzzy or affirming and comforting, this self-awareness. No, it is a long, hard look in the mirror, struggling to see. Paul says that it's, it's almost like it's a dim reflection. But it's important, nonetheless, to take that look in the mirror to, to re- realize, what reflection am I able to see? Because one day, Paul says, we will see clearly. And then he says these words, we will know fully, even as we have been fully known. The words of self-awareness right there. One day, Paul says, God is going to love that crystal clear reflection that you see in the mirror. I don't know, I hope that's a, a good word for you this morning. To me, that feels like hope. All right, time for a story. Two years ago or so, there was a box that showed up outside my office door. Um, just had my name on the top of it. It had been packed very carefully, so I assumed that it was made just for me. That's what I like to assume anyway. So I opened it up, and inside was a vanity mirror. Have you seen those? They sit on, the, on your vanity, and, and they rotate. And they, uh, on one side, what you see is a true reflection, and then you turn it over, and there, it's the magnification. And so maybe you've had that experience. I, I never owned one of those mirrors. I had seen them in hotel rooms, thought they were pretty cool. And I remember my grandmother had one on her vanity. But I never had one for myself, so I was really excited. Have no idea who gave it to me. There was no card, no explanation, just a box with a carefully packed mirror in it, and I was fascinated. And when I first turned the mirror over to the side of uh, magnification, (laughs) I was so thrilled because I could see my face without my glasses. Can I get an amen from people who are my age or older? You know, I was like, oh, this is amazing. But uh, probably almost in the same breath, I remember thinking, oh, no. Because you know what else? You can see everything in that mirror. You know, you look in the magnification, you're like, really? You know, I normally don't have my glasses on when I'm brushing my teeth, and so I had completely missed that little flaw right there, or that big flaw. Um, and so it was, it was an exercise for me in self-awareness. And I offer it to you so you can have a good chuckle on my behalf. But also because I think that metaphor and the experience that I had in that is, is an important reminder for us, friends. Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean it's not there. So we go back to the heart. It is the place and the people who form the web of our existence. And it is the very best place to learn self-awareness. There's a reason why so many of the personality assessments instruct you to ask someone close to you. Have you you ever gotten that instruction? You know, if you're having a hard time accepting the results of the Myers-Briggs or 
Myers-Briggs or the DISC or Insights or any, any number of those personality assessments, if you're struggling with it, one of the things that the assessment will tell you is go talk to someone close to you and see if they uh, agree with the results of the assessment. And of course, you know why. Because the people around your hearth, they know the truth about you. They see what the magnifying mirror will show you if you bother to look. And that's why we must be gentle with each other around our hearths. In order to do the hard work of admitting what is being revealed in us, we need safety and trust. And so the hearth can teach us self-awareness, but we cannot receive its lessons unless we can trust that it will hold us safely and not do us harm. So I offer you a couple of things here. One is when you think about where your hearth is, hopefully those are people and places that are trustworthy for you. That helps you to find the self-awareness that God would intend for you in that place. But those people are probably also counting on you to be their hearth. And so you must treat that with care and hold that with the trust that they're placing in you because they can't see what God wants to show them there unless it's a safe place for them. It's vitally important that we protect the safety of the hearth in our lives to allow each other the best chance at self-awareness. The more honest we can be about the reflection that we see in the mirror, the more deeply God can love us. I think that's so important, friends. I'm going to say it again so we can really hear this together. The more honest we can be about the reflection we see in the mirror, the more deeply God can love us. I want you to know this. God loves your Facebook profile. What you put out for everyone else to see or your Instagram, or whatever it is. God loves that part of you. But know this, God's love for you goes so much deeper. God loves the parts of you that you would never put on Facebook. Or you would never share with your coworkers. Or sometimes, you would never even let the people you live with see. God loves all of that. Do you find that amazing? I find that remarkable. Remember what Paul says, love never ends. It never ends. Paul says it's greater than knowledge. It's greater than prophecies. He says it is even greater than faith and hope. That's amazing. So as we see who we are more clearly in the mirror of those in our inner circle, those we trust enough to be our hearth, the more we find we can stand revealed in front of God and say, this, all of me, the one I see in the magnification mirror, this is the, the one God really wants to love. And when we allow our truest self to be loved by God, then stewardship becomes a simple, grace-filled thank you. When you know that the deepest part of who you are, the true reflection that you see in the inner circle or at your hearth is truly loved by God, 
of course you would want to be generous. Of course you would want to respond with benevolence and love. You would want to share that love with others. So stewardship flows from self-awareness is hopefully what we'll be able to, to take away from today's message. The more clearly we see ourselves, the more of ourselves we can offer to God in trust. And the more clearly we see ourselves, the better our discernment will be around our spiritual gifts and how God wants to use us to build the kingdom. And the more clearly we see ourselves, the more deeply we can receive God's gift of salvation. So I'm praying that in this season of stewardship, we might be able to take that long look in the mirror and see the parts of ourselves that make us go, Oof. Huh. really? And know that God loves even those parts that God's going to lovingly focus what we see and will remind us that being fully known means being fully loved. Amen.